And, you know, and understanding that, that why and your idea of what ha- has happened is yours to choose. I think that we so often think that it's, it's proclaimed for us. Like we will find the meaning that has been set for us when nothing has meaning until we give it meaning. And I think that has been like the most transformational thing for me to really, really grasp in my life and help others grasp of like, your life is the meaning you give it. I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Gets Mo Crazy where we'll hear from people who either been through a trauma or helped someone else through. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life so when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. I'm here today with Sarah Foley, the vertical blonde, who's going to teach us how the vertical mindset is realizing we get to use all of our circumstances to our advantage once we choose to heal and accept them. So that might be giving you a little bit of tip. We're going to be talking about healing. So something happened in Sarah's life that turned her life upside down in the blink of an eye and could have been catastrophic or an opportunity, and how she used it to become an opportunity for her and the rest of the world that she's bringing and servicing with all of the great things that she does. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining the show today and telling our listeners about how you turned what happened in a blink of an eye to your opportunity. Thank you so much for having me. I love that intro. I'm so excited today. So excited to talk to you and just yeah, share all the things. So thank you. Thank you for being here. And so to start out our conversation, we might as well go back to what happened in 2012 when an ATV crash changed your life in the blink of an eye. It did. Yeah. 2012, I just turned 30 and I felt like everything was just going perfect. I I even said those words the morning of the accident Um, I was running a spa up at Park City, worked really hard to kind of solidify that dream job. Um, I had really good family and friends. I was newly dating this guy, Sean. We were really in love and just having so much fun, always on new adventures. And um, one weekend, we decided to go down to Brian Head to his uh, family's cabin. And we went with another couple and the other couple the guy was actually a mechanic for ATVs. So he brought like a trailer full of toys. There was ATVs and dirt bikes and um, all the things. And so um, the morning of the accident, Sean and I actually went for a hike, just the two of us um, down in Southern Utah, where if you haven't been, it is, I feel like the best word to describe it is like prehistoric. These these beautiful red rock formations and they're huge. And then we just felt like we we're the only people around. It was fall. So it was kind of in between the summer and, and winter sort of seasonal pushes with people. And we went on this hike and I just remember looking around and I said out loud, like my life's perfect right now. There's nothing about it. I'd change. And a few hours later, we decided to get up on the ATVs and go for a ride on just a really easy 
Um, it was like a fire access road. So it wasn't even a trail. It was just, it was an actual like dirt road. And I was very inexperienced. So they gave me the bigger ATV, got the helmet. They kind of gave me the crash course. He's like, you know, we're just going to take it easy. You've got a cooler full of a picnic and we're just going to go for a ride and have a good time. And everything was going well. I was starting to feel more comfortable on the machine. And at one point the, the road kind of went up and around a bend and we couldn't see really what was on the other side if we needed to turn around. And so the guys went on up ahead to check. And the other guy we saw up on the hill waving us saying, you're good, you're good, come on up. And so what we didn't know was that Sean was coming back down the hill to get us to let us know. And so I was up in front of the other girl. I started going up the hill. And when I came around the bend, I saw Sean coming at me full speed and I panicked. And I just remember thinking like, get off the trail, get off the trail. And so I turned my handlebars to the right to get off the trail. And I remember looking back kind of in slow motion and seeing that he had gone all the way to the other side. And if I would have just kept going straight, I would have been fine and totally avoided him. But I didn't. And my wheels hit a ditch that was along the road there. And I just started flipping and it landed on me twice. Um, then threw me against a fallen tree. And I was so coherent the entire time. Like when I look at, like when I close my eyes, I can, I can hear it. I can hear like the crunching. I can see the ground and the sky and the ground and the sky. Like it was so, it, I was in disbelief even as it was happening. And so it finally threw me against this tree. And um, I, I could feel that it had snapped my right, or excuse me, my left cap clavicle, excuse me. So I was kind of up on the left side of my body. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, I flipped so far because it was taking my friends so long to get to me. Like it just felt like it took forever. And I saw Sean's face and it was mangled in terror. And the sounds that were coming out of his mouth were just, just wretched screams. He was so distraught. And from that reaction, I thought for sure that like, I'm like, oh my God, I must be missing a leg or my eyes where my ears supposed to be. Like, I just I was like, oh my God, I feel like I am, I'm in pieces. And he got up to me and I was just like, oh my God, like, do not move me. Call life light. Like, how's my face? And he just looks at me and he's like, your face is beautiful, but I have no idea about the rest of your body. And it took life light about an hour and a half to get there. And what was crazy was that there was literally not a single even carpet burn. There wasn't a drop of blood. There wasn't even a scratch. It had flipped so fast and landed so fast that it was just impact. And it had snapped my clavicle in half. Um, and then it had broken my back at T4 and crushed almost every rib. Um, but it, right there at T4, it had actually compressed my spinal cord. So right away, I couldn't feel my feet. I couldn't feel my toes. I couldn't feel my legs. I thought I was more in shock um, because honestly, the only pain I could really feel was that clavicle. And that was, that was like ready to come through the skin. So that was really, really painful. And um, so lifelike came, they took me to Las Vegas hospital because it was closer and they immediately started doing um, surgery to uh, stabilize the spine with two rods and pins. And what was amazing was that I had, this group of friends and family that they all say later, like they just went on autopilot. 
So they just got in cars, they got in planes, and they just got there. And because I was living in Salt Lake at the time. So Las Vegas Hospital was actually further away. So um, by the time I woke up 10 hours later, I had a waiting room full of friends and family. And, you know, they kind of came in one by one because it was definitely in the trauma unit. And they would only allow one to two visitors at a time. And the one that stuck out the most was my aunt Stacy came in and she kind of leaned down, gave me a hug. And I just like cracked the word why into her ear. She's like, why? And she just pulled away. And I'm so grateful for this moment. This moment changed everything because she pulled away so sternly. And she was like, don't you ever ask why that question is going to eat you alive and you will only find the answer when you're supposed to. So it was just like, okay, I do not go there. I do not play the victim. I don't search for an answer. I can't find like, don't go there. And yeah, so that, that really became this trajectory. And then the next three months was just pure recovery. Um, I was in Vegas hospital for for three weeks They then transferred me to Craig Hospital in Colorado. It's where Superman went, like the best in the nation. Um, I ended up getting spinal meningitis on the flight there. And so when I got there, I was very sick, about 10 days there in intensive care. They got that cleared up. And then it was just getting me independent enough using only half of my body. So that's, that's how it all started. And what's happened since has just been, I have no words. It's just been out of this world. So that's incredible that you are coherent throughout the whole process. Like that must be so challenging actually to retell the story because for me, when my life changed in the blink of an eye and I went into my coma, I have no memory of that day and I have no memory of six weeks after. So that whole portion of my life that changed my life so much, I don't remember. So I do, I do though, remember waking up in the hospital. And when I woke up in the hospital, I actually refused to believe that I was in a hospital. I, my mom was living with me at the time and I was telling them how I was in a movie about a hospital and I could prove it because when you poke me with the needles, it doesn't hurt. And um, it was really because of my brainstem damage was had per- paralyzed my right side. Um, but um, that we know now with more knowledge and I was very fortunate that I had my mom who had this understanding at the time, but you can rebuild your synaptic connections in your brain. And so with my um, damage to my right brainstem, it was not severed. And so since it wasn't severed, it could heal. However, the recovery for regaining your mobility after brainstem damage is still so low because it's so hard to regain the mobility and it needs to be done pretty quickly um, that a lot of people don't understand it's possible. So I was very lucky that my mom understood how to help me with that. Absolutely. Because most people are just in survival. Like it's, you know, it's just about like just making sure they survive and making sure they're okay enough to get out of the hospital. It's not about like, let's get things back connected. And that that's one thing I wish I would have known so early on is like, don't 
like, don't lose that sense of mind body connection. I know that now and I'm almost 10 years post. And yet, you know, it was those early moments like your mom really took advantage of when things can still connect because mine didn't get severed either. And I always held on to that. Mine was just compressed. It was just squeezed. And so the doctors never gave me that, like, you'll never walk again talk. It was, we're going to wait and see what happens. Yeah. And one of the things that's so impactful, and and I know for my situation, is I mentioned I didn't have any memory of the first six months about it. Or for six weeks, sorry, wrong wrong word. First six weeks. Um, And then after my mind came back, I still had very little control over what I was doing. I was like a five-year-old. You know, if you think about your five-year-old kid, they can't make life decisions for themselves, which is why the family caregivers, it's so important. And I think there needs to be more education to the family caregivers about what they can do to help support it. Absolutely. And, you know, they're going through their own trauma as well. You know, I, you know, even friends, family, like they've all gone through a traumatic experience of this and now they're in healing and they're trying to be there for you. You know, I've had conversations with my mom of, you know, she's just like, oh my God, she's like, I was falling apart 24 seven. And then as soon as I went into your room, it was like, I had to keep it together and be there for you who you, you know, when you were falling apart. So it, I feel like it does affect everyone. And back to what you were saying on, you know, remembering every bit of the accident, what happened. I mean, I was so coherent. I remember everything. And what was crazy was that years later, um, I was noticing that like, whenever I would get momentum in life, I'd get momentum in business, get momentum in any kind of work or progress. I would start to feel in my body like I was going to flip over and break my body all over again. Like I felt like the crash was coming and I kept having that feeling. I mean, literally anytime something was going, going well, you know, because if you recall, it was like, yeah, my life's perfect. And then it wasn't. And then it was all broken. And so I would have these feelings. And the thing that helped me the most was I had this incredible therapist. I'd moved to Maui a few years after the accident. And I found this therapist who was, I feel like kind of a medicine woman as well. And she was just so intuitive and so, ah, she was so good, but she actually performed EMDR with me and EMDR. I always forget what the letters stand for. Um, It's like, I motion something, but what happens is she kind of uses this stick and you watch back and forth with your eyes you're only moving your eyes back and forth. They can also do it with audio. So you can hear a ping and right then left ears and back and forth. And you're kind of balancing out the brain, if you will. And when she did that, she had me recall the entire incident of the accident with as much emotion and feeling as if I was in it again. And so we replayed it. We went through the accident again. I gave her every detail. I was like, hyperventilating with tears. I was so emotional, like literally going through it all over again. And then we get kind of to the other side of it. And, you know, we, we end and come to the end of the the story of what happened. And she says, okay, now we're going to do it again. I was like, oh my God, you're insane. I'm not going to do that again. That was torture. She says, no, we're going to go again. And I want you to get back to that same feeling. 
So she once again does the, the, the stick and I watch it with my eyes and I'm like, I can't, I can't get there again. Like I can't get my emotions to go there again. And she just looks at me and she says, exactly. It's over. And I've never had that feeling again of feeling like I'm going to flip over. Like the, the, I literally had to get it out of my body and let it completely play itself out so that I could close, give closure to the trauma and release it from my body. It was absolutely powerful. Amazing. So I just looked it up and EMDR is eye movement desensitization reprocessing therapy, which is an extensively researched effective therapy method proven to help people recover from trauma and other distressing life experiences. Yes. And she said that it works best when it's a moment of impact. So say someone's been like repeatedly abused, um, it's not going to have as much of an effect because it's more repetition. Whereas when it's a moment, like an actual accident or a moment of impact, that is when it's the most effective from what I understand. Amazing. And it's interesting because like I mentioned, I don't have any cognition of or memory of the accident. However, for me, for the first few years, whenever good things would happen, I'd get triggered that something bad was going to happen, which is like what you mentioned. Um, and that the same thing happened with my sister as well. Cause like you also mentioned, the family is so affected. So my little sister, it was her first world tour finals she had made and she was competing in half pipe the following day. And she watched my run. She watched my crash. She saw me spewing blood. My eyes were rolled back. She got she was there when they helicopter lifted. And then as a 19-year-old, she had to deal with the insurance because we were in Canada. And so what to do to pay for the helicopter flights that I was taking and all this stuff. And when she was driving to the airport, she was firmly convinced by the time she got to the airport, I would be dead, which is terrifying for her. And then for her to go back to skiing, she she kept having this good things happen, bad things will happen feeling. So potentially we should both both try out a little bit of that therapy to help us work through. But that's one of the most important things when you've encountered a life trauma is to be open to support look for support and accept support. So find what works for you because there's there's stuff out there to help you and you quite often feel alone and you feel hidden um, by your accident. But get out there and get support and be open to receiving it because everyone who've experienced a life trauma, you've gone through something incredible. So get the support that you need. And allow yourself to feel whatever comes up right? If it's anger, if it's sadness, you know, my, um, my kind of crutch in life was that I was always the happy person, right? Like I was always really joyful. I was really, always really optimistic, but that actually ended up hurting me when I was going through my healing because I felt like I needed to ensure that I wasn't affecting people even more by crying, by being sad, by being angry. Like Anytime I had visitors, I was as joyful as possible. I was, when inside, I was just, I, I felt like I couldn't breathe. You know, I, inside, I just wished I would have had people that I could cry with. And 
looking back, like the people in my life, I absolutely could have cried with them. And yet I didn't allow myself to even go there because I felt like I was burdening them enough by having to be there for me. I didn't want to burden them, quote unquote, burden them anymore by being sad when they visited me. And so it's okay to be sad. Like your life just went to crap in an instant. Like you've got things to heal. You've got things to go through. You've got things to learn all over again. Like it is a very, very hard time. And like, even like thinking about it right now, it's kind of like choking me up a little bit of, I really just wish I would have gotten that out of my body and processed everything. But I went on about four years of just really hardcore denial. I didn't, I pretended like it didn't happen. Um, I went on, I remained really joyful. I just got back to life as if it never happened. So, and then after four years, I finally started getting cracked open and was like, okay, it's time to heal. And something I read about you was that you were saying that like the whole, like, why did this happen to me thing? And that you shouldn't ask that question. We can never know why it happened to you. However, we all can control our response to moving forward and changes to make. Absolutely. And, you know, and understanding that, that why and your idea of what ha- has happened is yours to choose. I think that we so often think that it's, it's proclaimed for us. Like we will find the meaning that has been set for us when nothing has meaning until we give it meaning. And I think that has been like the most transformational thing for me to really, really grasp in my life and help others grasp of like your life is the meaning you give it period. End of story, right? Like your experience is the meaning you give it. So my, me discovering why was about me deciding why it wasn't about discovering why it was deciding why. And I don't think that we realize that it actually is a choice. And so when we don't choose to choose, when we don't like actually in um, intentionally choose, then we give it a meaning that makes most sense, that relieves the most pressure, that keeps us the most safe, that plays by our old patterns. Like we go to a subconscious meaning that typically is putting blame on something else. Like for me, it was like years afterwards, I realized that I was blaming Sean for the accident, I was trying to give him all the weight. And so it started to affect even us and how we showed up with one another. Of I got really entitled. I got really critical. I felt like he owed me things. And so I was kind of keeping score, if you will, because he was indebted to me. That's the meaning I was giving it subconsciously. And when I finally realized that I was able to heal it, I was really able to go into some deep forgiveness. I was able to have honest conversations that really kind of allowed me to, I call it cleaning my window. I felt like it was the squeegee across my, the filter through which I was seeing the accident and seeing him was through blame and through holding someone else responsible. When in fact, I believe, and the meaning I've now given it is that it was the very thing that I needed to crack me open to find the most beautiful growth and discovery of that choice of that we have in life. 